Hello and welcome to another episode of Tell Me Where I'm Going. I'm your author, Chris DeLuca, and this is the only podcast on the internet where we we mostly don't mess around, we, we write. We write an actual thing, and there are some podcasts that do that, but the, this is the only one that writes a continuing story that you participate in writing. And that is exactly this episode. And this is a very special episode because it is the conclusion of Tell Me Where I'm Going's very first narrative. And that narrative is the timeless story of the traveling Wilburys in an imagined 1988 traveling the country solving crimes and and we're we're finally going to get to the conclusion of that story today or or night i don't know when you're listening to this now i i, I can't take all the time to catch you up on the story if you don't know what happened go back and listen you can listen to the the chapter episodes and and you, you know you'll 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 catch up just to set the scene a little bit you know, our heroes had been, you know, all through this crazy underground world chasing uh, a deranged clown who who captured uh, one of their groupies, Dixie, and uh, they had the help of her other friends uh, to try to find them, and there's lots of adventures down there in, in this kind of uh, underground fairground, and even below that, and all these cults and, and, and cocaine craziness. Um, and they finally got back upstairs, well, upstairs, out of the underground realm, and, and into, you know, right, the regular world, I guess, and, and there they were, they, they faced down the clown, and they finally captured it, with the help of knitting, and, uh, unmasked it, and who was it? It was, well, it was Bob Dylan's mom, and that's the last suggestion that you guys had given me, and Boy, what a doozy that was. I've been saying this on the author update episodes and, and you know, this, this episode's been a long time in the making. I, I know it. It's taken me a long time to get to this point and hopefully it won't disappoint. Um, but, uh, boy, what a, what a prompt. Bob Dylan's mom. Holy smokes. So here it is. At long last, this is chapter 10. Of the traveling Wilburys. Solving crimes. Enjoy. Connie grabbed the clown's wig and pulled, and its whole face came off. Everyone gasped. Oh my god! It's. Bob Dylan's mom! I thought I recognized that murderous instinct. <laughs> Wailed Bob Dylan. He was thunderstruck. Out of everyone in the world this killer clown could have been, it ended up being not just a mom, but his? To make matters worse, just moments before, Bob had been unwittingly trying to kill her. Now that he knew who she was... He was even more sorry he didn't succeed. Jeff Lynn was also unhappy. Now you mean to tell me 
that this whole time, with all the chasing and the kidnapping and the pretending to be an amusement park clown ghost and almost getting killed with a sharpened record, now that was all done by a woman who once made me eat hot dish? I don't believe it. And what was that record you were slicing us up with anyway? Jeff snatched up the record. Papa Joe, King Oliver, and his Dixie syncopators? I thought it might have been one of your son's records, but this sounds real old, so that tracks. Ah, you burnt! Don't! Bob Dylan had punched Jeff in the kidney. Yes, his mother had tried to kill them all, and yes, he hated her even before that, but she was still his mother, and Jeff had no right. Connie shook her head in disbelief. I was absolutely sure it was Glenn Danzig under there, and he was going to find hell with us, but I guess Mrs. Dillon is just really built? Sorry, Mrs. Zimmerman. I know Dillon is your stage name, Bob. I also know your drag name is Bobby Deloy. I'm a fan. Bob grinned, then remembered his mom was around and stopped, then remembered insulting reporters in 68 and grinned again. George Harrison sighed happily. Well, I'm just glad it's all over. The two rent-a-cops started to drag Bob's mom away. The wait, before you take her, I just have to know, why did you do it, Mrs. Z? Mrs. Zimmerman raised her head, bright, intelligent eyes flashing menace. In a loud, clear voice, she said, The group stared in dumb silence, trying to come to terms with Mrs. Zimmerman's powerful words. Tom was the first to come to his senses. What? No, I didn't get a word. Repeated Mrs. Zimmerman, at a volume that even the veteran rock stars found painful. Good God, I'm pretty sure I lost hearing from that. Belinda arched an eyebrow. Did you really lose hearing? What? Did you really lose hearing? What? I said, did you really lose hearing? Nah, probably not. George pinched his nose. Enough about your hearing, Tom. What? The issue, Mrs. Z, isn't that we can't hear you. It's that we can't understand you. Which is odd, because you have spoken clearly before. Only to say hi there, but still... Bob grabbed his mom's collar, rooting around in it as she struggled against the rent-a-cop's grip, finally coming up with a small speaker box. He pressed a switch on it. Hi there, it said. Tom's jaw dropped. Far out! That's where that crazy voice came from. I bet it's possessed by some evil spirit. Super cool. Let me try it out. Tom grabbed the speaker box and excitedly pressed the switch. Be like me, happy horse, and love everybody. No, no, not you too. You can't try to teach me values, Satan, Tom screamed, throwing the speaker box away as hard as he could. George sighed again, not as happily this time. We still need answers. Bob, you're her son. Can you translate? Bob nodded begrudgingly. Good. Ask her why she did this. Bob turned to his mother. What did she say? asked George, breathless. 
Bob repeated. George scratched his chin. Well, that doesn't make any sense. Bob repeated again, only louder. Oh, no, no, I heard you, and I understood you. Your words are as clear and precise as ever, Bob. I just don't get what your mom means by unlock the netherworld. What is she on about? Tom tapped the tip of his nose. Well, well, wait a minute. You said unlock the netherworld, right, Mrs. Z? Barked Mrs. Zimmerman. Bob Dylan dutifully repeated. All right, you said unlock netherworld, not unlock the netherworld. Whatever. Belinda rolled her eyes and a joint. Ugh, it's like how Glenn Fry is always insisting it's not the Eagles, it's just Eagles. Who are you going to see this weekend? Eagles? What? As if we're all supposed to make our friends think we're watching birds? Thankfully, I think he hates himself. Yeah, Fry can kick rocks, but my point is, Mrs. Z, that back underground... When you were trying to kill me for the first time, you had that giant key that had Netherworld inscribed on it in burning letters. And we used it to open that passage that led down to the, in retrospect, incredible sex cult. And that's what we must have unlocked. The sex cult. Although they didn't seem especially trapped, either physically or emotionally. Mrs. Zimmerman shook her head. <coughs> said Mrs. Zimmerman. Bob Dylan clarified. Tom frowned. I was right about the key and the lock, but not about the sex cult? Okay, so if the sex cult wasn't unlocked, what was? No sooner had the words left Tom Petty's lips than frantic guitar screeches and slithering oboe runs interplaying with a hard strutting bass line boomed over the PA system. The stadium door slammed shut, and in the following half-light, the floor was covered in low-hanging fog and ceiling lights twirling rainbow colors across the undulating surface. The rent-a-cops covered their ears, appearing in physical pain. I hate this kind of music. There's too many instruments doing too many things. It hurts my head. My cousin's into this junk. Come on, let's go beat him up. The rent-a-cops sprinted for the door. George called after them. Oh, wait, officers, you can't just... But they were gone. Jeff Lynn looked around, terrified. Guys, I think those cops had the right idea. I think we should... He was cut off by an explosion of smoke and flame in the center of the group, momentarily blinding them. Then, from the shadows above them, nine gray-cloaked figures floated down, landing in a circle around the Wilburys, all their faces were completely obscured by their deep hoods. Eight of the nine hooded figures were playing an instrument, a guitarist, bass, keyboards, oboe, vibes, and two drummers. George Harrison tried unsuccessfully to keep the tremble out of his voice. Who are you? The last figure without an instrument pointed directly at George, two glowing pits of red light emanating from where his eyes should have been. The figure let out an inhuman wail, which eventually resolved into a high tenor. We are your worst nightmare, Jeff Lynn screamed. 
demons that steal your fame. <laughs> Asked Bob. Well, that's my worst nightmare. Tom Petty grimaced in frustration. Get a grip, Lynn. They're not demons. Those glowing red eyes are probably just some cheap LEDs. The whole fire and smoke thing is run-of-the-mill pyrotechnics, and the flying down is just a stage harness and steel wire disguised by the fog and low light. Come on, man. How many years have you been in show business? Besides, what fame do you have to steal? Ha! You're burnt! Eh, I bet they're just a bunch of disgruntled roadies trying to prove something. We are not roadies! boomed the hooded singer. Although all that other stuff is pretty accurate, he muttered, then coughed, quickly returning his voice to his former grandeur. We are Netherworld! The music stopped dramatically. Everything remained silent for several moments. Connie squinted. You are Netherworld? I don't get it. The singer dropped his arms, deflated. Yes, Netherworld! The band! The silence stretched out again, the Wilburys looking from one to another, collectively shrugging. Who? asked George. What? asked Tom. The hooded singer kicked at a cable near his feet in anger. Damn it, straight into infinity! The singer pressed his fingertips to his temples. Or probably did. It was hard to tell with the deep hood. I suppose I shouldn't be surprised at your ignorance. We released our only album in the following half-light back in 81, and it was so far ahead of its time, the world is still trying to catch up. For you see, we are a progressive rock band. Jeff screamed again, discovering in that moment an even worse nightmare. Nuna scratched her chin. Now that you mention it, the name Netherworld does sound familiar. Not only as the realm of non-being my visions come from, but also musically. I think it was Peter Gabriel who was talking about you guys. The hooded singer squealed with delight. Oh, wow, really? The high-foreheaded one mentioned us? Oh, we are all huge Peter Gabriel fans. How do you know him? You know what? Never mind that, actually. Uh, what did he say about us? Yuna squinted, trying to remember. He mostly talked about going to see Sinead O'Connor over the weekend and never wanting to talk about Phil Collins. But didn't Netherworld break up in 84? The hooded figure's LED eyes seemed to burn brighter. No, we did not break up. We've been a cohesive musical unit that always got along, always made great music, and never didn't get along, and never didn't make great music. The real problem was the reviews. The music press, when they even bothered to review us, called us Underground Prague. We didn't know at the time that that was a threat. What? They locked us underground! We've been plotting our escape ever since. And you, Wilburys, irony of ironies, set us free. Tom smirked dismissively. Now that's impossible. We would have seen nine weirdos in cloaks when we unlocked that weird door during the normal cave-in. The hooded singer scoffed. Fools! We are masters of... There was another pause. 
A master of what? Yelled Jeff, still freaked out. I said stealth! George shook his head, not having it. No, you didn't. I distinctly heard nothing. Yes, that's because I mouthed it. You've got a hood on. How are we supposed to see that? Exactly! I think I've proven my point. Tom stuck his chin out. Now I'm sure you guys broke up. Why are you lying? The hooded singer whirled, pointing an accusing finger at Tom. Why are you stark naked? Amidst all the chaos and excitement, everyone, including Tom, had forgotten that he had stripped naked in a drug-fueled daze, and they now all shifted uncomfortably. Connie cleared her throat, getting back on target. Let me get this straight. Are you the ones behind Dixie's disappearance? While they couldn't see his face, everyone could feel the hooded singer smiling. What a scrumptious question. Let me answer in epic fashion. Guys, let's play Sargasso Interlude, Movement 3, to add the appropriate drama. Netherworld complied, a noodling tinkle underscoring the hooded singer's tail. Connie set her jaw and folded her arms, preparing for way too long of an answer. We have been watching modern music with dismay. It's all simplistic, standardized, boring, uncomplicated. Then when we heard that some of the most innovative musicians of your time were forming a supergroup, we thought that you would save us all. Instead, you came out with this back-to-basics roots rock nonsense. We couldn't believe our ears. You had all betrayed us. We had to take matters into our own hands. In a plan as complex and interconnected as Prague itself, we built upon existing local legends and folklore, integrating our own agenda into fringe groups and laying traps, both physical and social, all perfectly calibrated to a specifically disorienting effect on your minds. We found a natural ally in Mrs. Zimmerman, your mother, Bob, who has always been extremely disappointed in you. When Dylan went electric, his mother was furious, because his music was too simple and mellow. She's been Prague before there was Prague. Oh, that's all so convoluted and confusing. It makes my head spin. Exactly. The process is working. Everything you've experienced tonight has been slowly making your brains more malleable, more suggestible. I'm not suggestible. Yes, you are. Fine. For you see, right now your minds are supple enough that when we're done setting them, we'll be cementing something new in there. Permanently. Do you want to know what it is? Come, look closer. Netherworld all opened their robes, pervert style, revealing a strange mole on their chests while still somehow playing their instruments perfectly. The moles seemed to wriggle on their skin, the Wilburys alternatively seeing a face or a key in its broken brown wrinkles. As strange and kind of gross as the whole scene was, it was hard to look away. Heads started to droop, 
and eyes grew heavy. George felt his mind, jelly-like, slowly morphing into a new shape. But he didn't mind. Prague was kind of all right. During this, Bob Dylan unfortunately looked over at his mother, who had also stripped to reveal the same mole. Bob howled in anguish. Yes, yes, your brains are changing. It's only the best thing in the world. When this song ends, whenever you try to write a song of your own, it will always be progressive rock. The spell broke. You monster! cried George. On the contrary, you should be thanking us. Hissed the hooded singer. The record-buying public will snap up anything you put out, as evidenced by the sales of the Traveling Wilburys Volume One. <laughs> Except now you'll finally be able to harness this terrible power for good, to bring back Prague. You're insane," breathed George. "You won't get away with this." Tom rubbed the side of his head. "Yeah, come on, George. You don't take any of this seriously, do you?" Remember, we're a band of science. I can assure you, Mister Petty, that we've done our research. The hooded singer's final words ended in a sung vocal. Oh, they're reaching the crescendo. They must be near the end of the song. Shouted George. It doesn't matter how plausible it is. We can't risk that fate. Wilburys attack! But Netherworld were already floating back up towards the rafters, well out of striking distance. The hooded singer cackled triumphantly, and to think, it all started when we got Mother Zimmerman to kidnap Dixie. Oh, Jesus! The singer was cut off by a mic stand hitting him in the chest. Connie had thrown the mic stand with laser precision, coupled with a furious grunt that turned into a scream and ended in a half cry. The singer swung wildly from his cable, knocking into the other members of Netherworld. Instead of a big finish, their song crashed down into noise rock, and then just noise. Come on, let's get out of here while we still have time. The traveling Wilburys made a break for it. Oh, that's right, a cliffhanger! You thought this was the end. Well, it kind of is. I mean, it's the it's the last episode, but it's not. It's the last chapter. It's not the last episode because it's a to be continued. What a switcheroo! Um, you know, I was writing this and writing this, and I keep writing. I've got the whole, th- and, but like, and then I'm realizing this is this is 14 pages, which translates to about uh, yeah, about uh, 20 minutes of uh, of show, and it's too much. It's too much. Um, so, um, I'm sorry. No, it's it, this was 14 pages of just what you heard. The whole last chapter is is about twice that. Um, so I'm splitting it up. You know what? Why not? It's the last chapter. It's the last thing. I'm gonna milk it a little. I'm milking it. I've gone slightly crazy. Okay. Thank you so much. The next episode will be another chapter episode, unless I get stabbed. That's really morbid and dark. No, unless something crazy happens. But no, I'm planning. But the next episode will be the final, final chapter, chapter ten, part two of this story. All right. 
That's it. Thank you so much for listening. And I'll see you next week. You've been listening to Tell Me Where I'm Going, a Let's Hear It production. To learn more, visit letshearit.network.